I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about a young billionaire called Danny Moran. In love with his mother's personal assistant, Sam Foster. Danny asks his doctor, Jack Harper, to help arrange for himself and Sam to elope, and they marry in secret at midnight, the night before Sam is due for a heart transplant. The next day, something goes wrong with Danny's anesthetic, and instead of falling asleep, he remains awake and is paralyzed. He watches in horror as he discovers that Dr. Harper, far from wanting to give him a lovely new heart to save his life, is actually plotting with Sam to kill him. What will Danny do? He's trapped, paralyzed, at the mercy of his killers. Maybe he can have some kind of clairvoyant out-of-body experience and enlist the help of his mother to thwart his would-be murderers, but let's face it, it's a long shot. Is what I would be saying if this was a adaptation of the 2007 film Awake, starring Hayden Christensen and Jessica Alba. Instead, this is just a podcast in which we talk about and review films. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me, an incredibly rich man with a dodgy ticker and a sign on his back reading, Gold Digger the Shit Out of Me, Danny Moran. Hello. Hello on this episode of Film Chat with the fret levels being raised to critical and the weather levels being raised from hot to too damn hot. There was no better time to go to the cinema. But what film should we watch when we go to the cinema, Danny, you say? First of all, don't interrupt me when I'm doing my introduction. And secondly, you might want to check out the animation The Red Turtle or perhaps the high concept drama Colossal. Or maybe you just want to stay indoors and watch the first few episodes of Twin Peaks. But don't dare do any of those things. Until you've listened to our reviews, which, conveniently enough, make up the bulk of this episode. What else is on the episode, Danny, you say? Uh, interrupt me again. <laughs> Pretty rude. <laughs> but to answer your question, we'll look at the exciting news of a new Ava DuVernay film, the upcoming sequel to the blockbuster smash slash school play Mamma Mia, and pay respects to the greatest Bond ever, Sir Roger Moore. Will this leave you enough time to perform an impression, Danny? Fuck's sake, be quiet. <laughs> Dispossessed form of imaginary audience. Yes. And we just not time for my latest impression. Cary Grant stepping in some dog shit just after he's had his shoes polished. No, no. I'm shit on my shoes. No. Yeah. Really, isn't he, isn't he going to say something like, I've just had them polished or something? I've just had these polished. <laughs> no, it's not quite. No, it's good. I liked it. We are joined by another guest. Film Chat's getting more and more guests. I love it. <laughs> it's great. It's like real podcasty. It's our friend Georgia. Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Georgia. A lot of testosterone on this podcast. It's in, overwhelming. In the past. <laughs> gets pretty overwhelming. So uh, it's it's great. It's great to, to, to shake it up. So it's super, very exciting to have you here because we were talking um, a couple of weeks ago. We had Dougal on, our friend Dougal. And he told... A, a very 
interesting off the cuff anecdote about going to FOP and buying a DVD of this movie called Frogs. And the guy didn't want to sell him the movie Frogs because he was like, this is this movie is too bad. I won't even sell it to you. <laughs> and then uh, eventually Dougal got him to sell it to him, but he wouldn't like the guy wouldn't take any money for it. So he gave him for free. And then Dougal gave that as a birthday present to his friend Stuart. And then we don't know what happened. Probably Stuart threw it away when we watching it. But you've seen the film, right? Yeah. I have, yeah. I, I looked it up to check it's the same one. And there's only one... Oh, am I off mic? I don't know. Well, you just... Yeah. yeah. I have indeed seen Frogs. I bought it from CEX or Sex. And they didn't refuse to sell it to me, which was a shame. <laughs> it was really bad. So you take us through... So you take us through the plot. I mean, what happens in Frogs? Okay, so it was a long time ago. And it was in my first year of uni so my memory is patchy from this time but it, <laughs> it says something on the blurb about a sort of um paraplegic billionaire inviting people to his mysterious island so obviously it sounds amazing this is why Dougal bought it you can tell already <laughs> and it has a picture on the front as I think you mentioned of this big frog with an arm sticking out of it and it's the <laughs> most misleading image ever because firstly there are there are barely any frogs and the frogs that do appear are normal sized and all they do is there's just footage of them hopping around and then <laughs> I think the first guy falls in a pond and there's a snake in the pond not a frog not a frog not a frog and everyone's just is slowly being killed by nature but it's not clear if there's an evil like there's an evil mind behind it or these people are just inept and they're being killed <laughs> and then at the end the the main guy the billionaire is in his wheelchair and goes around and then there's a lot there's a lot of frogs in his room. Sorry, there's, there's spoilers here. And then he he kind of just dies. And I may be getting this slightly wrong, but it is just the most disappointing film. But what, ki- what kills is it supposed them? to be like the birds? But, but frogs. But frogs, but, but not enough frogs, not can't. as many. Yeah, they they hop on him once he's dead. Oh right. But they don't they don't kill him. I think maybe he's scared of the frogs and that's why he dies. What's more horrifying than dying and then frogs attack you? <laughs> <laughs> but can frogs, they don't have teeth or anything, right? They've got, what do they Some have? Some of them have glands, glands. Poisonous glands. But can they chew? Can they, no. you know, devour a human being? What do you mean they they have, like, what is a glands? Like, how does that, do you mean like glands as in like... Well, they can expand and contract. Uh... But, like, how do they, how does that poison you? I think if you if you eat it, if you eat it, yeah. okay. <laughs> or, All right. Yeah, there's those sort of poisonous frogs you get in the rainforest, but if you I lick think... them, you get high, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Saw that in the Simpsons. Yeah, I saw that in the Simpsons. <laughs> Homer <laughs> does it. He gets high. Does anyone lick a frog and get any no, hallucinogenic? No, that would be something interesting. I mean, it sounds like a fascinating movie, to be honest with you. To be it's... honest, it sounds more interesting than a, just a straight up frog kills you film. Well, I think it had. I think it had some kind of environmental message. The idea was maybe like, don't disrespect nature, or nature will disrespect you. And I'm all on board with the like heavy hammered climate change sure. messages, but sure. it was just so boring. I was like, kill nature. It's just you not, came. You came out of it anything. wanting to destroy nature. Yeah, I bought a car. Build a fucking oil derrick on these frogs. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, don't buy it. So, five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Wow. <laughs> so, what you do, five stars out of 50 million. Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. It feels like Ava DuVernay, someone we've mentioned quite a few times on the podcast, was so bloody woke. We just <laughs> I like how, yeah, we deserve a medal every time uh, we mention someone who's not a white man. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is a fascinating story that's emerged this week. Um, a few years ago, there was this photo taken of Rihanna and Lupita Nyong'o looking like some badass bitches. Where are they? Are they had like a They're fashion like a, a show, fashion or something? show, and very cool. It prompted a meme. Someone Instagrammed it or you know shared it around. And said they look like they're in a heist movie with Rihanna as a tough as nails leader slash master thief and Lupita as the genius computer hacker. And people were seized by this as a potential idea. And the meme developed to the point where they said Ava DuVernay should direct it. And this writer called Issa Rae, who done this popular TV show Insecure, should write it. And just by the power of the internet, that is now happening. Netflix had just won a fierce bidding war to make the movie. And after Ava DuVernay has completed her, the movie she's doing at the moment, Wrinkle in Time for Disney, she is going to make a film with Lupita Nyong'o and Rihanna written by 
is a ray. Absolutely bonkers. We don't know if it will follow the Twitter suggested plot synopsis. <laughs> which is why I've tweeted about my film where I should marry Rooney Mara. Just hoping to get that trending. <laughs> just, is there a photo in the yeah, base of it? Yeah, my just... face next to hers. Nice. Yeah. The movie's called Married Forever. This is so iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love this story. I feel like it brings together a number of contemporary trends. The thing that it most reminds me of is snakes on a plane, because that was another thing that, like, the internet turned into a huge thing, basically. I don't think they made the movie because of the internet, but they did go back and reshoot a portion where Simon Jackson says that he's sick of the motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane, or the monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane, because the internet demanded it, basically. So it's a bit like that, where people just get... And it's like... I feel like it's sort of evidence of what a weirdly small world all these Hollywood producers live in, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, like, they can be influenced just by, like, one tweet getting some success, and then they're like, oh, actually, you know, let's make this film. Um, and it also feels very, like, Netflixy because Netflix's whole business strategy is just to, like, throw ungodly amounts of money at, like, absolutely anything and then hope that people buy loads and loads of subscriptions. Like, I don't really understand, like... They yeah, must yeah. spend so much money. And uh, I also just... think they, you know, it's like a sort of computer algorithm where I remember reading, I, I, you know, I hope this is true, but it sounds like it could be bullshit, but it supports the argument you're making. But like they made House of Cards because Kevin Spacey movies were popular on Netflix and also right. the original House of Cards. <laughs> so like just the computer just spat out the next project they should make. Yeah, you know, but it's very like I don't it, know. That's like this is how they make this is how they do projects these days. It's very it's all you know very sort of random and like uh, it's it's exactly like that thing where they wanted to make a crossover movie between Jump Street and Men in Black. It's like <laughs> well, that's the stupidest fucking idea of all time. But someone was like spent one morning being excited about it, and then suddenly it was a real project. And they were, you know, having said all that, it does sound like it's kind of fun. I mean, why not? Rihanna scams which cool. right men. Lupita Nyong'o helps her do it. She gets to play a human again, not playing like an alien or a, or an animal. She's played a lot of recently, so that'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Rihanna, uh, she was in Battleships or Battleship, right? Yeah. I don't know if she's been in any other movies, has she? She's in the upcoming Valerian and the City of a City Thousand, Thousand Planets. Planets. Is she? Okay. Um, Stretching her acting I legs. I think she might be. In, is she in Ocean's Eight? Oh, maybe. The female reboot of Oceans. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's like, they sort of, um, it's like the pay gap is like corresponding to the number of people, you know? It's like... Yeah, we can only afford eight. We can afford eight. (laughs) If allow me to interject, I think you only need eight when it's women. That's true. That's a good, that's a good way to take on that. apparently, Matt Damon is... cameoing in it i hope they're like i hope they're like casinoing the same place yeah yeah they're like it's the same casino exactly the same as before but you need the eight women well i read it was going to be like george Clooney's sister is sandra bullock (laughs) i don't know daniela ocean so it's going to be part of the oceans universe every movie franchise a universe now yeah but it can't be that successful because they can only make two more sequels before it just repeating the same titles Yeah. yeah So they can only do Oceans 9 and 10, and then they have to just enlist a shit ton more people for Oceans 14. If they were really ambitious, they should have started, like, Ocean 1. <laughs> Ocean. <laughs> they got... <laughs> it's just Sandra Bullock herself, just pulling up a master, master plan. Pitched as the all-female reboot. <laughs> just one. Just one. <laughs> I'm replacing the entire gang with one woman. <laughs> It's the ultimate worst, like what yeah. Georgia was saying. You know, she's like, just she talking to... one us, woman to do She's it. talking to herself in the mirror. Yeah. Smash and grab job, huh? It's a little more complicated than that. Me? <laughs> Let me go and practice my backflips. <laughs> <laughs> you mean I'm going to pretend to be a dying old man? <laughs> and backflip my way through the air vents? Oh, don't be in Sandra. <laughs> easy. Easy for a woman. God, more, it would take more, at least more 11 ca- men to do this job. <laughs> It's like some cutaway to a security guard. Like, you need 11 men for this job. Or one one woman. That awful scene from the end of uh, the third Lord of the Rings where he goes, no, only a man can kill me. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, no. He goes, no, only... No, no man. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Only no man. Only only no. (laughs) Yeah. You fucked it up. No man. No man can kill me. She says... I'm a lady. I'm a woman, but not a man. 
Mm. Nobody tosses a woman. I believe that. <laughs> I think that's the line. Then she kills him. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. More news. Mamma Mia. You remember that movie? It was a big Do hit. I? Everyone saw it. Everyone's mum saw it. I literally did see it with my mum. So. You saw it with your mum. Part of your long running series of movies that you've seen with your mum. Most of them were shit. Most of them were shit. Uh, did you like Mamma Mia? What's your view on it? Yeah, I find... I think it's probably Meryl Streep's worst performance. I mean, she's obviously a brilliant actress. But in that, she's having much more fun than anybody else in the film. It's more of a holiday it. for her and for yeah, everyone yeah. else, yeah. But I um, I think I'm probably borrowing Mark Commode's review. Where he said, uh, those songs are so indestructible that even when they're... There's just something funny about... They've hired these actors who can't really sing, but they're kind of just trying... It's like this sort of, yeah. kind of school play mentality of like, look, Piers Brosnan can't really hold a tune, but bless him, he's really, you know, he's going for it. He is really pushing it on that, like, you it's know, charm, sort of like charmingly bad kind of thing, like one notch worse and it would, the whole movie would be embarrassing. But what do you make of it? Yeah. Um, I went in thinking I would hate it and then I was just kind of okay with it. So I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I felt kind of similarly that like, I watched it at university. It was one of those movies that was on the rotation of films that my housemates uh, had on all the time. So, you know, I've probably seen it several times. And it's just, it's definitely not an objectionable film. You know, like, yeah. I think basically ABBA's songs are really good. And they all seem to be having a good, fun time. Gale time? They're I mean, living vicariously through their happy, happy filming holiday. Yeah, I think, like... You know, it's just like uh, one of those films that is just about not smug. It just seems like they actually are enjoying themselves and it feels genuine. And they obviously love the music. Yeah. You know, it could easily be this kind of like smug, we're on, a, we're on a Greek island and we're all famous. And I like how open-hearted it is with like Christine Baranski ends up with that sort of like young black guy. Like Colin Firth comes out as gay. It's all fine. We're it's all having fine. A fun we're all time. just having a fun time. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's quite progressive in that way. There's little baggage. So anyway, so that film, which like was a surprise hit, made an insane amount of money. It was one of the most like successful movies of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. And almost surprised it's taken them this long, but they are going to make a sequel. It's going to be called Here We Go Again. According to The Hollywood Reporter, this film would serve as both sequel and prequel, so quite conceptually ambitious. And they that means they anticipate the return of the original cast, which would make sense since why would, you know, it's a sequel to the film, so like... They should probably be back. Meryl Streep, Colin Firth, Pierce Brosnan, Stan Skarsgård, Amanda Seyfried, Dominic Cooper, all the great, all the lads. The new one will use ABBA's music again, but how many more hits are in the well, canon? this is the thing, right? And like, how many more bangers they have? They What's it going to be? Fernando? They didn't use Waterloo, I think. That's they, true. No, they used it at the end. Oh, they do. Uh, when they when she's like, Meryl's like, do you want any more? It's like, no, you man. No, enough. <laughs> like a piss bride at a wedding. <laughs> Just go away. <laughs> yeah, I've made well, a list if they of... just use it at the end, maybe like yeah. Okay, but you've done your research. You've done a bit of homework on yeah. this. Yeah. Well, I've... the first movie is kind of easy to plot through songs, so I was looking at my Abba Gold Greatest Hits. Have you been writing the sequel? With... Trying to figure out what happens. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, since the events of the first movie, Stellan Skarsgård and Julie Waters are hitched because they kind of hooked up at the end. Uh-huh. Pierce and Meryl together, all the couples together. I reckon. Colin Firth is getting hitched to a guy called Fernando. So they come to have a wedding on the island. It makes sense there's going to be a character called Fernando in the movie. And they still get together. And obviously this brings back memories of Meryl dating these guys originally. Because all the ABBA songs are about people getting together or breaking up. Yeah. So you've got to have a bunch of that going on. So it starts off a bit of Summer Night City. It's like the 70s or wherever they hook up or the 60s. And then you can have Angel Eyes. Maybe Stellan cheats on her. Angel Eyes is all about being cheated on. Okay, yeah. You can have the song Eagle, which is all about, I'm a, you know, an eagle. I just fly wherever I want to go. It's all about being an eagle. <laughs> there's, an eagle. There's, there's an eagle character in the sequel, <laughs> and the eagle has a song called Eagle, which is all about being an eagle. <laughs> yeah, Donald Cooper's turned to an eagle. <laughs> He's an eagle now. He's an eagle now. 
<laughs> that all about how she doesn't need any men. Uh-huh. There's knowing me, knowing you, that in use. Which oh, is, yeah. Which so reckon... Partridge is going to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> he gets to sing that one. I Steve she... Coogan playing Alan Partridge turns up. Well, knowing me, knowing you is about a long-term relationship. So I think maybe her, you know, she and Pierce break up in the end of Act 2, but get to get back together again. Maybe renew their vows or something. Yeah. Um, Clever of them to save that one for the sequel once they've built up some, you know, long-term history exactly. on the screen. Um, what else is there? Ring, ring. That's not that good a song, but that could be anything. About That's all about meeting a girl. Love isn't easy. It's all about how you need love. Sounds like a very versatile choice. Yeah. The thing is, because they're less good songs, is the quality of the singing going to be more evident? Because they haven't got the same kind of earworms. And, well, yeah. you know, Piers Brosnan was struggling, and that was 10 years ago. His voice has only got gravelier, right? <laughs> one, <laughs> one, one, one assumes. One assumes. <laughs> We're out of sadness. But auto-tune technology's come a long way since then, That's right? true, yeah. And also, there'll be younger actors playing them... You can sing, so maybe the they'll be taken the straight from the West End. Will just be, you know, some yeah people with the requisite pipes. I would prefer it if instead of doing that, they use that Marvel Star Wars <laughs> de aging technology, or get young, just youngify Brosnan, and then use Auto Tune to make him sound like a young man, and just go the full CGI route. Yeah, um, that'd be better. Yeah, I think I think you're right though that there's danger with the less well-known songs because like when uh, Brosnan is sort of half speaking his way through sos like the audience is filling in the notes you know because yeah, everyone yeah. knows the song but like when they start doing ring ring i don't know i don't know what that song is how does it go ring, can, can you ring, give us a bit ring a ring ring and no, i listen to it today but I ring a ding ding ring 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 yeah well this is you know there's more <laughs> evidence to my point because i listened to it this morning and i can't remember Still it can't remember it unlike the bangers they used in the first movie. Do you know it? Ring ring. Yeah. You got it. That's it. Okay, <laughs> we've heard it. Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're gonna hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. A joint review shared between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? The light is on. The guys are in. So let the chat. Okay, so Danny and I had another cinema date this week. We went to see the film Colossal, uh, which has not made much of a splash. Ironic, ironically, <laughs> ironically, given how given how you think it would make a huge splash from its size. Um, it's a uh, relatively low-budget movie with a relatively starry cast. Stars Anne Hathaway, Jason Sudeikis, and uh, Dan Stevens. Directed by Nacho Vigalondo. Don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. I think it is. The guy who directed Time Crimes. Has he directed anything else of note? Um, I think this is his first English-language film. Yeah. He directed a few horror movies. Got quite a cult status. And he won an Oscar for a short film he made many years ago, which is good, called 8.30 in the morning. So he's one of these um, European directors who's made the switch over to Hollywood. Is making his Hollywood debut with quite a quite a sort of strange movie. So the premise is that Anne Hathaway plays a woman called Gloria, who uh, at the beginning of the movie breaks up with her BF Dan Stevens because she has a drinking problem, and she moves home to a little town and uh, is trying to put her life back together. Meanwhile, in Seoul in south korea a giant monster is materializing every so often and like trashing the city um in a kind of godzilla-esque way and she discovers that she has some kind of psychic link to this uh, creature and that when it materializes whatever she does the creature does the same thing here is a clip of her hanging out with jason stakers who's an old uh, school buddy of hers who she reconnects with when she moves back home and some other losers, and they're discovering her crazy monster connection. Holy shit. All right, it's back. It's, yeah. you see it? Yeah, I got it. Is it there? The giant monster? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Gloria, you got to see this. What is it doing? It's dancing. It's dancing like... Holy shit. Uh... <laughs> It stopped. <laughs> Hi, assholes! Mwah. I'm blowing you I'm blowing you kisses. Whoa. What the? Okay, how? Huh. How? Wait, wait. 
this isn't happening. No, 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 this is not happening. This is one of those practical joke apps. This is a joke. But you know, it's I a joke. like dancing, so uh, can you guess which film this is from, huh? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Do you want to make any requests? Amazing. Amazing. So this was kind of a fun experience watching this movie because um, I didn't really know anything about it. I'd seen, I'd like watched the trailer once pretty much. So I was aware of the premise, but I didn't really know what to expect in terms of tone. And I was sort of aware that I hadn't made any money, but I hadn't read any reviews or anything. So I felt like I was going in like relatively fresh and I was very, very confused almost immediately. It's got this like cold open kind of thing, which sets up the big monster, which terrifies the little girl. And that made me expect that it was going to be a take on a kind of like 80s monster, sort of family monster movie kind of thing. Um, Like sort of high concept, which is like sort of what the poster looks like as well. But then the scene immediately after that is this breakup scene that has the tone of like sex in the city or like some kind of sort of chick flicky kind of thing. And there's there's very jarring. So yeah. immediately it was like, what? I don't, I'm not quite sure what kind of film I'm watching. And throughout the movie, I basically felt constantly like I, the movie does not know what it is. Wikipedia describes it as a science fiction black comedy, which I guess is a sort of true in that there's bits that are kind of comic and bits. I guess the black comes from like there are some bits that aren't like the more dramatic. Yeah. But like it's not there's not very many jokes in the film. The sort of repartee between the characters, like the banter is really flat. And, like, this doesn't fit as, like, a comedy. It's not like a Judd Apatow movie where they took, like, 8,000 takes between various <laughs> comedians all, like, trying to make each other laugh and then, you know, pack the movie with jokes that way. They're, they're just reading this, like, relatively dry script the whole time. And so, basically, the whole movie is this constant feeling of, like, that you're a bit adrift in this thing that doesn't know what it is. It's like, you just don't feel like you're in competent hands. So you don't yeah. feel you're in confident hands the whole Definitely. thing. Definitely. Yeah, I think a common problem with these high-concept movies is that it was intended to be sort of audacious and bold and, you know, what's going to happen next? But that can so easily drift into, I don't know what's going to happen next because the director doesn't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, it just feels like they're making it up scene by scene. And if I had to describe the film in one word, it would be weird. But it's not weird like we were discussing King Arthur last week. It's kind of, it's kind of wacky loads you know, of ideas whatever kind of yeah. whatever works thing it's weird in that it's like weird in conception and execution and like they just don't know what they're doing yeah i mean it's got like the the it's very um the concept is very kind of similar to young adult in a way where like someone goes back to the town where they grew up and they're kind of a mess um and then they learn things about themselves by interacting with people who they last knew when they were children but in young adult there's like this cast this sort of colorful cast of small town characters and you learn more about the Charlize Theron character by like the the different ways she relates to all these people, like the nerd kid she used to bully and like the jock she used to fancy and all this kind of thing. In this movie, there is only one character in the town, basically, which is Jason Sudeikis. So you, there is some kind of development in the relationship between her and him. But other than that, the only other people who exist are his two drinking buddies. And it makes her her own drinking problem seem really weird when it's like enabled by these like three other guys who just act in the most insane over the top drinking ways like he owns a bar and they are constantly lit drinking from like up until 8 a.m like they, then they do that like in consecutive nights like constantly and then he's always coming into her flat like you're a total mess but it's like you were just doing the exact same thing you're all fucking insane yeah. Like, why do you just go to bed like any normal person? And it's not interrogated at all. And, like, the other two characters have no personality. And one of them in particular, this young, like, handsome guy, has got to be, like, almost... He's got, like, lobotomized levels <laughs> of, like, passivity in the film. Like, for him to behave in the way that he does in this movie, you have to credit him with just an extraordinary amount of, like, inertia. It keeps cutting to him as though you're supposed to be interested in what he's going to do next. And he's got this, like, dead face and he does nothing. <laughs> and it's like, why is he in the film? <laughs> you know? It's really strange. Like a dog or something. He's like a dog. <laughs> except, like, dogs have a lot of personality. He's more like, uh, just, I don't know. Like, a really boring animal. It's more like a rocking horse. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just, like, completely inert. <laughs> I think you bring up a good point because I think the movie would have benefited from hiring funnier actors and yeah. the highlight is dan stevens 
Oh who, man, I love Dan Stevenson. He, he, like, every time he turns up, the movie kind of wakes up a bit. Because <laughs> he's got this like British accent. He's just really posh. He, like all his lines are the same. He's really snappy and rude. But it's kind of remarkable because obviously he probably worked on the film the least. But I think he's nailed the tone the best because he kind of just has obviously been directed. So he just does like a sort of posh British guy shtick. But he's really funny. Yeah, he's Whereas really funny. Whereas Jason Sudeikis, who I'm led to believe was on SNL <laughs> for many, many years, is the most boring actor ever. I just, like, every time he was saying something, I was like, oh, just say it quicker and just leave. He's, like, well, he's doing this kind of, like, uh, dramatic role. It's, like, comedy actor does dramatic role kind of a thing. Except that he's not a very funny guy. And he always plays the straight man. Yeah. Like, his comic role is as the straight foil to the more, like, overtly wacky people. He looks like... The, he looks like just someone in the background of a photograph you know like he's there's nothing interesting about him at all so like give him this like dark role makes no sense it's just like what if a really boring man is mean to you oh it's so oh it's really challenging i don't know it's like, yeah yeah and then halfway i think she i don't know she's, she's gamely doing her best yeah but, yeah, but yeah i don't know she's not well, it's like nice. without Hathaway, it's like they, you know she's a she's a professional actor. You know she's good at what she does, and it's like you just have like this really flat script where none of the dialogue is popping, and she just is trying. You know, just trying, she's just trying. So like credit to her. It's like one of those movies where you watch it and every scene, you're like, you can just see them, you know, going for it. They like these yeah. people have thought about what they're going to do. They're working away and very effortful. <laughs> very a lot of effort, and I'm I'm impressed by that. But yeah. It's just like a very strange, like a weird fucking movie. It's just like it's not clear weird. what it's trying to be, and it doesn't succeed in what in it was. What, whatever it was what, trying, what it's trying to do, to do it's just what, not doing it. Listen, buddy, whatever you're, tr- whatever you're going for, it's not happening. It's not. It's not. It's not working. Yeah. So I think we were, we were perplexed. We came out quite perplexed. It was a colossal waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Dan, yeah, Dan Stevens. But Dan Stevens. Love Dan Stevens. I'm a, I'm a Dan Stevens fanboy now. Fan Stevens. What do you think, Georgia? Georgia, any comments on the review you just heard of a film you haven't seen? <laughs> well, actually, I, I read a synopsis of this and it reminded me of The Lobster. Oh, right, just yeah. Just the idea of someone, a kind of weird idea and there being a weird magical element. And I thought it looked really cool. So now I'm, I'm really sad you've upset me. That, yeah, that's actually like not a bad comparison. I mean, that's like should be kind of exploring hu- like bad human behavior or like, you know, people treating each other like shit through this kind of magic realist kind of concept except it doesn't doesn't do <laughs> except that it doesn't Forgot. except it doesn't do that so <laughs> nice just good just watch the lobster nice, that's, nice that's a good, good movie that's nice good try and that show not yeah not show best work <laughs> i mean i want it i want it to be i want it to be known that i made that joke first <laughs> off mic and i and i and i claim it and now for Danny to review a film he recently saw Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ass-clenchingly poor? Out of Danny for the judgment we're about to hear his thoughts If he does a rubbish job then Sam will tell him off So The Red Turtle, this is an animation produced by Studio Ghibli but directed by Michael Dudok De Witt which is an amazing name He is a... he's Belgian-British nationality is directed by him and written by him and a guy called Pascal Ferrand. And basically, he made this Oscar-winning short called Father and Son. And Hayao Miyazaki saw this. And then, for whatever reason, he was hanging out with a guy from Wild Bunch who co-produced the movie. And he was like, who's that guy who made that film? He should make a film. And then, now they just produced this new film. Very exciting. So all you have to do is just make a film and make sure Hayao Miyazaki sees it. And then, sooner or later, he'll produce a feature-length movie. You get the Miyazaki call. Yeah, Miyazaki's on the phone. <laughs> wants to produce a movie about a turtle. So the plot is very simple. I'll give you the premise. Basically, I could tell you the entire plot in about six minutes. I'll just give you the first, like, 40 minutes of the movie. <laughs> it's like a children's book. <laughs> yeah. So a man is shipwrecked on an island, and the it's a very kind of bountiful island. You could live there, but he wants to escape, so he builds a raft. But when he's out in the water, a red turtle attacks his raft and destroys it. And things develop from there if i told you any more it would be the, the whole the, movie the film, yeah was i taking us in like the first like 60 minutes so yeah, like, yeah it's an 80 minute film that was the first <laughs> 75 minutes so it's a silent film well there's a few lines but it's mainly wordless so it's turtle it's a turtle it's turtle off me yeah. oh, off the fuck fucking raft very fascinating <laughs> um i don't have a clip but um georgia do you know any facts about turtles um i do i mean <laughs> 
Well, that's 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 cool. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> I'm a bad zoologist. I didn't know these in my head. I had to look these up on a website for children. That's pretty disappointing. But they they're really good. Um, so did you know that a turtle shell actually has nerve endings? So if you stroke a turtle on its shell, it can feel you. Aww. Yeah, sweeties. And also, apparently, these idiots, some box turtles <laughs> eat so much, they no longer fit into their shell. <laughs> that is a good fact. That's an excellent fact. And one more. Female turtles, they're quite wily. They um, they dig their nests on <laughs> land and um, lay their eggs in them and then go off and swim away. But they dig trap nests which don't have any eggs in so the predators will waste loads of time digging decoy in decoy nests decoy nests that's the word they yeah. don't actually trap the predators that would be really that would be cool. fucking cool <laughs> that's like one level up in turtle evolution we'll know they've reached the next stage wow. thank you that's a good thank fact you. thank you georgia danny you've got a that's a big bar you got to reach now with interest oh, and t- your, yeah. your review better be pretty interesting because those facts were good they were good facts um <laughs> <laughs> i really enjoyed this film diehard fans of the podcast We'll recall the last. <laughs> I thought you were about to be like, diehard fans will love this film. I'm going to say, like. Fans of Die Hard 2, Die, Die Harder, <laughs> will particularly get a lot of this movie. No, I was going to say, the last Judo Ghibli movie we reviewed, I reviewed, was The Tale of Princess Kaguya a couple of years ago. It was one of our early episodes, which was a similar kind of like almost silent movie, lyrical fairy tale thing. And I didn't like it at all. But. Now we've got... I love the red turtle. Another one, yeah. I thought it was great. It's a very simple, beautifully animated, kind of almost like lyrical little movie, which is hard to describe because it's just very quietly affecting. But I really, really enjoyed it. The visuals alone are worth seeking out. And it feels like water is a thing that animation has now mastered. There used to be a big sticking point. But now... With, I don't know, maybe Finding Nemo onwards. Moana had amazing water. Yeah. And now 2D animation has figured out how to do water. The latest version of Adobe Creative Cloud, the water plugin. The water rocks. plugin is fucking it's sick. It's fucking good. And, I mean, it's a bit odd to like compare it to this movie that came out two years ago. But as opposed to the tale of Princess Kaguya, um, what I liked about this movie is that it has a very relatable weight to the world. Even though it's got a fairy tale element to it. Uh, you get the sort of dramatic stakes. And when he's in this shipwreck, it's really exciting and you think he might drown. And, you know, the character is obviously fallible. He's human. And it's very well-structured film. It's quite episodic, but it, it kind of, like, reveals little details about the character over the 80 minutes. And i got to say, I don't want to sound like a philistine who just, like, hates movies that are long, but tight 80 minutes. Yeah, appreciate it. I appreciate it because there's so little plot that it never feels indulgent and when it ended it wasn't like i was expecting to end it was a very nicely curtailed little animation and there are some genuinely emotionally affecting bits and i found myself quite caught up with it and also it's not actually based on a fairy tale and i think one of the biggest strengths of the movie is that it feels like it is a fairy tale and it has that sort of logic to it where it feels like an old story. I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Like, yeah, um... yeah, yeah. But, well, there's a very specific um, kind of uh, feel to that. The thing about fairy tales is kind of that they're like very evocative of complex human experiences with very austere sort of simple materials and, yeah, ar- and archetypes. That's it. What so you it's said. like, you know, in fairy tales, there's always like the peasant, the king, the wife, or whatever. And uh, yeah. yeah. But like, but, but they are, they are like, all those characters are like barely even one dimensional. They just evoke a certain like status or, you know, whatever, but that they create stories that, you know, have a complexity that kind of exists in your own mind because you relate to the, you know. Yeah. You, I think my, to them. my, the point I make is that it doesn't feel like a bloke just sort of like, when then a man's on island, then a turtle appears and then this happens and then. It's it not just all, like a dreamy hat. Yeah. It? yeah. It's all uh, in service of a larger, more emotionally deep points. Then if you read the synopsis, you might question it. But it's just so beautifully put together that it was very, very affecting. I've got to say. Sounds I good. I found it a little bit, uh, a little bit tear-inducing at times. <laughs> a little bit, little bit sexy at times. A little bit. I found it a little bit sexy. Yeah. I was aroused. <laughs> I was distraught. <laughs> yeah, I cranked. I cranked. Yeah. So this review is quite short because it's quite a slight movie. Um, but it's worth seeking out. What was this a question, Georgia? I have a question: Do you learn anything about turtles during the movie? 
No, I've learned more <laughs> <laughs> more about turtles from this, from your facts. <laughs> I learned more about turtles from my friend in two seconds <laughs> than I did from watching the entirety of the Red Turtle. I learned nothing about turtles. <laughs> One star. <laughs> my favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen, but she wants to be in radio, so she starts a podcast with her friends, and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Twin Peaks, everyone's favourite show, everyone's favourite TV show from the 90s. Well, our opening jingle... References David Lynch. It's a film by David Lynch, and he is, hasn't released a film. Which is fucking garbage. Why is he not catering to the jingle lyrics? Yeah, I jerk. mean, we haven't reviewed a film with Peter Finch in it yet. We'll get around to that. We'll get around to that. We slowly, could have reviewed more taking... Holland Drives, and so did that. We released that, but we didn't do that. Yeah, but this is the next best thing. Yeah. So Twin Peaks is back, and my review is that... It's back, baby. It's awesome... I love it. I think it's brilliant. It has lived up to everyone's expectations, by everyone I mean mine, by being unlike anything anyone expected. And there's something very satisfying by the fact that Twin Peaks in the early 90s, you know, appeared on TV and it was like nothing anyone had ever seen before. And then all of TV kind of metabolized around it and every prestige drama since kind of you can trace the DNA in Twin Peaks. And now he's returned 25 years later. He's made something complete like anything else on TV. He's yeah. done it again. It's like, nice try, Sopranos dream sequences. I've seen that shit in the 90s. Uh, sorry, David Chase. I'm David Lynch. Yeah. So, the original and better David. The original and better David. Yeah, it's really brilliant. The first one, I think, to generalize, is a bit Blue Velvet-esque. And this one is kind of David Lynch 2.0. It's all Moreland Drive, Inland Empire, David Lynch. And I think he described it as like an 18-hour movie in parts. And that's definitely true. Like, the sort of soap opery narrative conventions he kind of plays with in the original Twin Peaks is a bit less uh, overt in this one. Well, sort of like, In the Empire is like this kind of like nightmare collage film, which I watched. Uh, I don't really remember much about it. I watched it in like in two sittings. It's like three hours long. I didn't. I think it'd be quite quite a lot to take in only, you know, in a single go. But it, yeah, it's very much this this kind of there's very little narrative like coherence to it it's just this sort of collage but somehow like i mean i thought it was really good i mean it sounds like the sort of thing that someone described it to me I'd be like that sounds unwatchable but uh every single new bit is good and interesting and like well done in some way and yeah that's the thing about david lynch i like i love all david lynch movies but if a movie is described as lynchian i'm like oh, this might be shit yeah absolutely <laughs> because... yeah i agree 100 percent with that he has a way... It's kind of like with Twin Peaks Season 2 when he wasn't involved with it for a stretch of episodes. It definitely got worse, and they try and sort of... You can't, you can't fake it. You out, can't yeah, fake, you can't yeah. fake it. Like, when David Lynch does something surreal, there's always something behind it or a deeper meaning. But otherwise, it's just superficial. And uh, But like, also, like, you have to be actually weird. Yeah, he, he's authentically... You know, he's weird. Like, you, you can't just, like, you know... Like, just being a sort of writer trying to write wacky stuff is not the same as being a genuinely strange man. Yeah, and I would say one of the most gratifying things about it is that we've discussed in many episodes this ongoing trend of this kind of nostalgia cinema where like franchises or properties return to many years later and they just kind of rehash old moments. But David Lynch is too much of an artist to ever do that. But he, it, like, what's so good about Twin Peaks is that it makes the point that it's just exciting seeing these characters 25 years later. You don't actually have to have... Carl McLaren like drink coffee and say damn good coffee and eat some pie just him being in Twin Peaks again already satisfies all your nostalgia cravings yeah and then he delivers this completely batshit episode it was quite it was a really fun movie to watch the Twitter reaction it was like I can't wait for some weird Twin Peaks and then Timmy's is like this is too weird <laughs> and then <laughs> 15 minutes is like this is the best movie I've ever seen in my life and it's like I don't know what's going on genius terrible what's <laughs> happening it's amazing I'm so confused and uh, aroused hmm there's a lot of horny film watching and movie watching. Have you seen Twin Peaks, Georgia? Yeah, I've seen I've seen the first three episodes of it and I liked it. But actually, I was going to ask: Is it welcoming to people who haven't seen Twin Peaks, or do you have to sort of do your homework before you start this? Yeah, new that's one? a good question. Um, what would it be like coming yes. in fresh? Like you've seen like two <laughs> series of it, and you and you're like, you know, you're adrift immediately. You're like this is too weird. But like if someone's coming in fresh, like how would it make any sense at all? Yeah, I would say. I know, you definitely probably want to watch um, the movie, Fire Walk With Me. It kind of references that a lot. Because it does actually continue the continuity yeah. of the... Um, and at the end of season two, 25 years ago, something happens in the main character, which is... Significant. Yeah, it. significant. Yeah. 
No spoilers, please. And there's also like a few little lines that kind of come back. I mean, like, you know, Busby went crazy trying to track down all the gifts to show how all related <laughs> together. Um, the the gift maker at BuzzFeed was working all night. Well, there's like, there's a, fans of the show, there's the log ladies in the first episode. Um, I forget the actress's name, but she sadly passed away while they're making it. And her cameo is quite poignant because it's obviously the last thing she filmed. And she has like a sort of quite significant plot purpose. And it's like, oh, log lady. Now you, and she, and they don't really hide the fact that she was obviously dying. She died of cancer and she looks very frail. Oh, man. And it's just like, oh. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite weird. There was a great tweet. It was like, how the, who are these Johnny come lately said Twin Peaks? I'm like, me, a true fan who discovered the film four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Which I definitely fall into. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, well, I to guess... be fair, we were about four years old when the, when the TV show <laughs> yeah, was on, so. Exactly. But um, <laughs> yeah, it has that feeling which. I guess, like, Star Wars has, like, a bit where just, like, you know, if you've seen that TV show, if you're there at the beginning and, like, 25 years later, it's back. It just has... You can't really fake that as a... As a... I don't know what you call it. The TV event kind of thing. So, I'm very, very excited for the next... The problem is they put two episodes online, so I'm now four episodes in. I've got to wait another two and a half weeks for... Oh, shit. More Twin Peaks. Well... When when that starts happening, we can do a weekly Twin Peaks review. Always add that in. Yeah. Make it the bulk of the episode. So you got to catch up. Otherwise, this podcast is going to get real boring. When Graf heard something that changed his life, what he listened to? When John Cusack made a mixtape for his future wife, what did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? When Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and finally, you got to round off the podcast with a death. With a death. Well, we've taken a bit of a... Uh, you know, a lot of legendary actors and filmmakers have died during our run, and... <laughs> Because <coughs> by coincidence. <laughs> coincidence, just I just want to say correlation does not prove causation. But we've taken a slight infrequent stance on who we should talk about and not because yeah. I was because I always feel like a fucking ignoramus anytime this comes up. It's always like someone's died and I'm like I have nothing to say about them. Well, I have something to say about Sir Roger Moore because I watched the Bond movies as a kid. I watched them all. I really loved Sir Roger Moore, and he uh, passed away at the grand old age of eighty nine. That's a healthy, healthy age. strong age. Well, he was he's actually the oldest Bond. He's older than Connery. So I guess mathematically that makes sense. And a much sounder guy. And a much sounder guy. But uh, yeah, I loved Sir Roger Moore. I think he's the best Bond. <laughs> like how you went... You feel like you won't even say his name without the... Uh, Sir Roger. The, honor- <laughs> the honorific, yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, what I would say is that I loved those Bond movies as a kid. And then occasionally, because they're always on ITV... You watch some of them, and obviously, politically, they're quite problematic. He's this total misogynist. But with Roger Moore, he's so charming. I feel like, because Sean Connery, there's that clip of him talking about how it's okay to hit women. Like, when he's being a dick, you're like, well, that guy's just a dick. But when Roger Moore does it, he's just playing a part. He's just so damn charming that he, and suave. He's, think... he's, he's, he's making you distinguish between, like, sort of negative, dangerous, old-timey misogyny and charming, uh, <laughs> avuncular, old-timey misogyny. And, yeah, but I, I think I think I know what you mean with, like, someone who kind of just uh, projects such harmlessness that, like, the incredibly sexist standards of the time just seem, you know... Sort of like, it's just this lovely, old-timey, oh, well, that's how they were then. It's like your uncle or whatever coming out with some stuff that makes you roll your eyes, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like, Sean Connery is like, he probably would just, like, strangle and kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also, he was so obviously enjoying playing... His, I think his enthusiasm for the role is infectious. Like, Dan Craig is like, I'd rather, like, kill myself and drink a jar of my dad's cum than play bond again that is a, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's a direct quote <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting mental image but, um, <laughs> but roger moore you know that, that turn of phrase that we've all used for things that we don't want to do <laughs> but, like, but roger moore is obviously love playing the role and he was such a good ambassador <laughs> for this series and like i feel like if you met 
any of the actors, maybe Pierce actually, he's kind of similar to Roger. Like if you met Sean Connery or Dan Craig, they seem like all these grumpy actors. But if you yeah. met Roger Moore, he was still kind of Bond. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a sort of charming guy. And I think he's an underrated actor because he's, I think, kind of reminds me of like Hugh Grant, who's like an actor who's incredibly self deprecating, but actually has some dramatic chops and has got amazing comic timing. And genuine charm as well. And genuine, yeah. And he seemed like a lovely guy. He was an ambassador for UNICEF. I've got him his knighthoods. And uh, just, an, just, a, just, a, just a great guy. Just a gent. Rest yeah. in peace. Rest in peace, Sir Roger. And now for the film chat prayer. Hold <laughs> <laughs> oh, Roger. Oh. <laughs> Death to the, is in to the, heaven. To the spirit of Sir Roger. Yeah. So, uh, so long, so long to you. Goodbye, Sir Roger. See you in the next life. Thanks so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much for joining us, Georgia. Still alive. If you want to <laughs> a guest on the podcast, just come to Sam's house. Just come. On Thursday or Wednesday. Just check, just check, check it out. All and, right. But uh, you got, all right. Here's the, this is all you need. You need to be in the area. You got to be willing to sit around and you got to be, you got to be friends, personal friends with me for years. <laughs> and that's this very simple. That covers most of the audience anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Next week, we're reviewing some films. Definitely, um, my life is a courgette. My life is a courgette. What else? And are we something doing? else. Okay. I can't know all the. Do you have any plans to see movies, Georgia? Anything upcoming that you that I you want to check out? I don't know if it's out in time for next week, but I do want to see Wonder Woman. Oh yeah, no, I definitely see that. If that's if that's out in time, you should come back on review Wonder Woman. <laughs> you're a woman, and you are a wonder. <laughs> you're a wonderful. You're a wonderful woman. <laughs> have such insight into this character. You're a wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Stay long. See you next time. Bye. Bye. My name's Bond. James Bond. But James, I need you. So does England. I'm now aiming precisely at your groin. So speak over a bottle to your piece. Where's Peckish? Where's Peckish? Pyramids! What a helpful chap. Don't you like me? Why, I think you're wonderful, baby, but I don't think your Uncle Harry would approve. Him? He thinks I'm still a virgin. Yes, you get your clothes on. I'll buy you an ice cream. I'm looking for Dr. Goodhead. You just found her. A woman? up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.